Good morning. Hola. Buenos dias. I took four years of Spanish in same, high school. Same. And I don't recall any of it. It's awful. I am, um, my throat is, is <laughs> doing some crazy stuff. Guys, gals, the moment that we hit record to start a podcast, Dr. Carroll gets strep throat. <laughs> <laughs> that is not untrue. It's funny because it's weird. It's I because mean, I'm always like uh, laughing, I think, before we get started, and laughter uh, makes the throat grow weaker. <laughs> nah, I just made that up. I thought laughter makes the heart grow fonder. <clears throat> no, that's absence. <laughs> laughter is the best medicine. I thought that's m- music. No, it's laughter. What's music? Music is a series of <laughs> notes at very... That's not important right now. It isn't important right now. Welcome. Have, w- welcome, everyone. This is You'll Die Trying, episode number... I don't know. 54. <laughs> okay. And at this recording, it is spring. Yes. Spring, spring has, has sprung. sprung. That was a high five between Dr. Carroll and myself. That was awesome. That was. Okay, so to get us off uh, and running in this new season, I'm going to tell you a riddle. Okay. It is 6 a.m. You are asleep. There is a knock at the door. On the other side of the door is your mom who is visiting from out of town. You did not know that she was coming. In your refrigerator are eggs, milk that is pasteurized, juice, and bacon. What do you open first? I'm just, I'm going to say the door. Is that your final answer? Yes. My eyes. That is your final answer. That's my final answer. Yeah, isn't that good? I did. I threw in a little clue. I don't know if you heard it. You know, back in the day, um, milk was used as a healing agent. And people would get in their tubs, and doctors would say, you know, get in your tub, fill your tub with milk, which, of course, is very expensive, but cheaper than, than healthcare even back then. And and as you soak, you it will ail your remedies, even including, like, facial issues, throat issues, uh, vision problems. People never knew how much milk to put in there. And so the doctor would write on the prescription, soak in a bath full of milk, pasteurize. Really? And that's how we got pasteurized milk. No, that's that's not true. That's just a little joke. Just a joke to start the day. <laughs> <laughs> So what have you been thinking about? What what is uh what's on your mind? Oh, I I was gonna say I'm drowning, but in a good way. Drowning. I'm drowning. Just so busy. Everything's so busy right now. And I hate you don't like that word. It's not a it's not a good word. Dr. Carroll has a has a new phone finally. He upgraded from a three uh, uh, uh iPhone three. I was forced to. My phone would no longer charge. God. 
poor thing. That thing looked like a <clears throat> looked like a little post-it note pad that you were carrying around. It was the perfect size. It was just so it was so cute. Yeah. That's what I've been thinking about. Just how not your phone. How tired you are. I'm not I'm not overly tired. Mm-hmm. I feel actually pretty good. Okay. I've been kind of I've been doing a lot of self-care, going to sleep early because I know I'm going to get up early. Yeah. Cuz the kid the baby's sleeping six and seven hours at a time. Oh wow, he's doing yep. well. Yep. Okay. Life is life is uh, life is okay. It's not it's not so bad. That's what good. Have you been thinking about? Well, uh, with you, I've been uh, I've been busy as well, and I've 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 picked up a, a, some new new work, some continuing work, um, some older things that are you know kind of cropping back up, and it's just it's it's busy. It's a good busy though. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited. I'm prepping for uh, a bit of a vacation, um, which is which is exciting. So that's on the that's coming up, and um, I'm thankful to have the the work that I do. I'm thankful to be able to love what I do, and uh, you know it makes me always think about the people who don't love what they do, and how hard that must be to get up and go to work every day when they don't appreciate what they do. Could you imagine going into your office and just being like, oh, I hate this place. It'd be tough. <laughs> I hate it. It would be really tough. I've 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 not been in that position except I can say when I was in college and had a work study program with uh, uh, under uh, a woman who was really difficult to to work with and uh it made it made me sad to show up to work and then when I was in graduate school I worked at the bookstore on campus, and the woman I worked for there uh, was also really tough to work for. And these these were just women who were, you know, they were doing their very best to be meticulous about record keeping. And you know, they had to work with students, and that must be miserable for them. <laughs> so I don't blame them at all. But it, it made it really uncomfortable, and I just I didn't like going. I did I did my thing, but was part of my being there but I didn't I didn't enjoy that but that was when I was really young ever since as a professional I've always enjoyed what I do I worked at a Starbucks in Lexington um, when I wasn't in between touring and the the manager of that location on Red Mile Road or on the corner of Red Mile he loathed me I don't know why like really it was just such it was like bad blood all the time. You know how those hourly positions, they schedule you and they give you either more or less hours depending upon who wants to work more hours and, you know, whatever. And he would mm-hmm. literally just like lower and lower my hours. And anyway, long story short, I uh, got to the point where I stopped, I started to hate going into work and and uh, he threatened firing me. And it was really funny because I think it was like either the next day or a few days later, his regional manager came and fired him. <laughs> oh, so karmic it, it, reality. It's, it's a real thing. Well, uh, what do you think in your world, your line of work? Um, and I'll think about this for me too. When you're when you're done, but what do you think is your greatest strength? My greatest strength is being three steps ahead, uh, forecasting things, seeing them. I've been told more times than I can recall and count uh, that I put the cart before the horse. Mm. And in my head, it's making perfect sense. <laughs> and there was so much validation the other day, even uh, we installed, the, of course, the, 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 the cooler for uh, the state of Kentucky on-site crematories. The law states that you have to have, of course, a, a cooler of some sort, whether that's a one-person or multi-person unit. Well, we had a three-person 
And uh, I actually relocated the three person to uh, one of our locations, which is an hour away. And I thought of that as a kind of a leapfrog system. Mm -hmm. Uh, That county actually doesn't even have a cooler system, so it was advantageous for them. But we installed a 14-person cooler. And uh, everyone was like, why are you doing that? That's ridiculous. Well, it's been (laughs) validated because literally within the first week of operation, it has remained full. That is just amazing. Yes, and and, and actually one of my mentors in Colorado was like, you got too too small of one. It's already obsolete. You need to upgrade. Wow. And it's two weeks into. Is there a return policy on something like that? No, it's actually, that's why I'm three steps ahead because I bought the unit that you can disassemble the side and and expand it. Keep the uh, kind door. of a modular unit. Correct. Okay. So so one of your strengths is that you tend to be three steps ahead. Yes. What is one of your greatest areas of, of uh, well, I'm just going to call it what it is. A weakness? Yeah. Uh, my weakness is, well, I have a, a few. One of them would probably be uh, delegation. Mm-hmm. Um, once I get rolling with that, then I'm good but it's getting myself rolling with mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are executive, my executive assistant who is awesome and we're learning things. I, I still don't give them enough, mm-hmm, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm still taking on all this stuff. Anyway, that's probably one of my biggest struggles. Yeah. What is your biggest strength? Um, <clears throat> I, th- well, of course, I mean, in my line of work, in the in therapy and in, in private practice, you you have to do certain things, and if you don't do them well, then people don't come back or they don't come at all. And uh, I'm sure there are some strengths in there, but in terms of thinking business, um, which is what I'm doing right now, I think that I'm good at creating um, uh, revenue streams in addition to just the the base exercise and product of my work, which is being in the clinical room with clients and patients, there are other ways um, to um, offer help to people. And uh, I can do that in, in lots of different ways. And I've created programs and been certified in various ways and and uh, create consultancies where I can go into businesses and, and try to be helpful. And that's that's something that I think I'm I'm decent at because I believe in it. I believe in what I do and how I do it, and that it can be helpful. And I myself have have been helped by that, so I, I'm I don't have to sell that. I just have to tell that story, and I feel like I'm good at that. One Weakness. Of, mm-hmm, one of my many weaknesses, I think, is um, taking on too much. Um, I've always tended to to take on too much to work work a little bit too much. Um, I enjoy it, but I still think that there is such thing as too much, and um, that's that's one of my weaknesses. Another weakness is similar to the strength, and that is I sometimes think I limit myself in my imagination of what I would be able to to do or to think up or to conjure or to accomplish. I think I have sometimes some limiting beliefs. In yourself? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, and that uh, <clears throat> that that's a you know, that's a killer. That could be a killer if I let it be. I never have known that about you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh it's it's always been a thing. You know, when I was in school, I never thought I. And by school, I mean kind of post college. Uh, I never knew that 
that I or never really believed that I had what it took to kind of go to that next level and then I would accomplish that and then I was like oh I really want to go to that next level but I'm probably you know and then and it, it ne- there was never a, a time when I was like okay so obviously I had what it took to do that like I never I never got there I'm just like I'm lucky or you know I caught a break and they're you know the admissions uh, my my application got stuck and they went to lunch and they're just like whatever just put it in that pile like, I always kind of told myself those things rather than claiming um, my own giftedness. So I think if you're not claiming giftedness, then you have limiting beliefs. And I, I, that that's kind of where I tend to go. Let's talk about limiting beliefs then, because that's yeah. intriguing to me. I think we all do that. I do that all the time to myself. Yeah, it is. Well, uh, so so I'd like to dovetail the, that conversation. Um, I want to I hear some thoughts that you have and, and, and uh, that I have about limiting beliefs. But then I also want to talk about that dance we do where we wrestle with should we improve our weaknesses or should we focus on our strengths? So first, limiting beliefs. And there's there are a lot of reasons why, you know, people, we, I, tell myself a story that undercuts or undermines my actual ability. Whether that's because I was the first person, you know, in a long time in my entire family structure extended beyond forever to go to school post high school or whether because I was the only person in my nuclear family who who decided to do that um, when you when you're in that environment you might think well you know this just isn't something we do you know and I even had one of my grandparents um, who tended to be curmudgeonly sometimes Curm- what curmudgeonly that's a cool word don't know what it means and uh, just kind of a little little grumpy you know, sometimes, and it wasn't his. I know some of those. Wasn't his, I don't blame him, but um, nonetheless, he, you know, he would ask all the time, like, why are you doing that? Why are you Why are you going to school? You already went to college, which I think was unnecessary. Why are you going beyond it? There's there's nothing you can say to, to someone like that, but that does tell me a little bit about the DNA of my extended family system and how there's that thinking there. Just like... In most of our extended family DNA, there is latent, if not blatant, uh, racism, um, homophobia, those kinds of things. It's there. And so you have to wrestle with that. Well, their limiting beliefs is, is in our DNA too. Um, maybe we are taught not to think too highly of ourselves, which, you know, that's a good moral lesson to learn. But then we go the opposite. We tend not to think very well of ourselves at all, which is not good either. Um, we think that there is a ceiling we think that there's a cap. We allow ourselves to believe that there's things, there are things out there that we can't do, shouldn't do, wouldn't do well. And we tend to uh, allow those thoughts to um, enmesh with that DNA. And we believe that that's who we are. So then we tell ourselves that story. Well, this is just who I am. I'm, I'm from this family. We don't do those things. You know, we don't, we don't accomplish those things. We don't push ourselves in those areas. We don't believe there's value in that. And if we find ourselves in that situation, we might tend to think that we don't deserve to be there. We don't. We haven't earned a place at the table, and we can't end up doing what's expected of us. And so we're just going to be a disappointment. So why even why why even push ourselves? I have that conversation. I think in one way or another with people all the time. You know, I, I was having a conversation recently actually with someone, and I was I was saying, you know, why don't you? This was in a more kind of a coaching consulting context, not therapy, but. Why don't you see yourself as extraordinary? 
Well, because I'm not. I'm, I'm very ordinary. What does that mean? Ordinary has a negative connotation for that person. So what is it about your story? What is it about what you tell yourself about yourself? What is it about your family that allows you to kind of sit in that and be okay with it? And there was just you know no movement at all. So over the course of weeks and months, trying to unpack that, that myth of ordinariness and to find out what is it in you that really is extraordinary. And this person is extraordinary. I mean, this person has incredible potential. That's a beautiful uh, conversation to get to have with someone. But you run into a lot of resistance uh, early on, and that, that's, it's pretty stout, it's pretty strong. I remember in the sixth grade, Mrs. Boris, I'll say her name because she had a profound impact on my life. Uh, actually, because of her negativity toward me, I was, um, I was not challenged in school. I was bored a lot. Mm. Um, I guess maybe because I'm intelligent, I, I, I don't really know other than the fact that maybe her teaching method was just <laughs> lack, lacking. And anyway... Sure. Uh, she found me to be problematic and started s- stating that I had developmental issues and <laughs> mental issues. And wow. yeah, it was really bad. And so it would call me out in front of the class, actually became verbally abusive and took me to the principal's office on regularly to the point where Miss Fleming, thank God, uh, put my desk in her office and was like, you will not, you know, you're just not a good teacher pretty much is what she said to him her. Yeah. Um, and and took all of my curriculum and kind of <clears throat> essentially helped me. I mean, that's what I can recall. But that was uh, ultimately advantageous to me. But at the beginning, it was very difficult. Very difficult for me because it made me feel, oh, wow, maybe I am. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe I am not you, good enough. And how old were you? This was a sixth grade. I don't know how old you're in sixth grade. So uh, sixth grade, you're uh, I don't know, ten, what, eleven, you're about, eleven, twelve, eleven or twelve, probably yep. about. Yeah, 11, 12. So when you're that age, you know, that's, you're, you're coming up toward middle school anyway. Um, you're already experiencing some changes in your, in your body and in, in, in how you think. You're so impressionable. And to have someone in an authoritative position like that, that's why I think teachers <clears throat> really do need to um, be, be very cautious in, in, in how they speak to to children because children hear everything and they believe everything. I mean, there are times when my children, when they were younger, they would come home and say their teacher said something and I would say, well, you know, I, I'm sure there's a reason why that person said that, but actually this is the case. Like this is, here's the truth. Here are the facts of that. Maybe she didn't know or he didn't know the facts at the time. No, that's not true. It's not what my teacher said. So when it was teacher versus parent, teacher always won. That's That's how incredibly powerful a teacher position is. Um, it's not that way anymore, thank goodness. Now they don't believe any of us. But um, that that's a very important role to play, and and the fact that you experienced that, that's that's kind of sad. While we've been talking, I've posted a message to her on her Facebook wall, and I'm hopeful that she'll write you and apologize. I don't know if she's even living still. I have no idea, but she was, she was just downright hateful. There was a yeah. student named Seth who... I'm grateful for him too. I mean, he's brilliant. His parents are dentists and he's just super, super smart. And he was always so kind. We were close friends. And he wrote her an anonymous letter stating, "Oh, yes, well, she pulled me to the side and it was my writing. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote the letter. I was unaware of oh, it. Oh, gosh, that's <laughs> yes. awesome. That is uh, Miss Boris. 
But anyway, well, I think in the uh, the, the grand scheme of things, it really yep. ultimately helped me. You can be thankful for that. Yeah, now. yeah, I am. That's the power of thinking. You can mm-hmm. change how you think about that, and now you can be grateful for um, that the impetus that she put in your life to basically prove her wrong. Yep. Not that that's been an an abject focus of yours or a conscious focus of yours, but it's there. It's there for Obviously, sure. Obviously, you remember it. And let the let me be very clear. I I forgave her a long time ago. Yeah. So if you're listening, I do I have forgiven you for your downright <laughs> hateful, inappropriate yeah, in pedagogical method. Yes, yeah. it was just absolutely. Isn't pedagogy a great word? That's a good word. Don't even know what it means. It's like teaching methodology. It's Pe- interesting. Pedagogical methods. Yeah. Uh, so limiting beliefs. What are some of your limiting beliefs in myself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, don't tell them what they are in me. Tell us what they are. In uh, well, you. I'm sorry. I was. I, I meant. I didn't know if you meant like as a like whole, like around the world, or yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, just I, you believe in limiting beliefs in myself. That I. Hmm. I'm thinking really hard. I'm not trying to. What is it that you think you can't do? Or won't ever do well. Uh, time man, time management. <laughs> no, that's. I think that's too. That's too surface. That's too. I want to get a little bit more in depth for you all and for myself. Uh, I don't know. Let's let's throw some therapeutic. Well, let's think. Let's go with time management because sure. that's what came to you, and okay. it's probably associated with something that's more than just time management. Sure. But what does that? What does time management mean for you? I have a really hard time with, you know, call, calling it quits, for instance. You know, like at 5 o'clock you draw the line and then you leave it at the door and you go home or mm-hmm. whatever. That's that's the first example that came to my mind. Um, like if it's not emergent, non-emergent, then it can actually wait until the following day or later on in the day and I want to get things done now, that kind of thing. That's so prioritizing. Prioritizing. And... Uh, are you comfortable assigning uh, time limits to tasks? For me, no. Okay. Not necessarily, I would say no. It, do, you, do you have a sense of why that is? Like if you were to say, I'm going to have this conversation with this person, I'm going to allow this long for it because I have these other tasks that I've already... I mean, and maybe that's it when you back it all the way up. Maybe it's, it just comes down to uh, not believing enough in yourself to believe that you're worthy of a, a well-structured, disciplined approach to the use of your time. Yeah. Um, you know, when you, do you start your day having the night before crafted how you want that day to look? Obviously, interruptions happen, emergencies occur, and you have to pivot. But on the whole and on the regular, my guess is you could probably work from 4.30 to 5 to, to, to this evening, today, to plan tomorrow and and to do that with this kind of disciplined eye toward uh, a kind of time management that honors you and honors the people you're serving with and then to hold yourself accountable to that. Is that something you would ever try? Yes, I, I totally would. You had me do the the logging of the day and I, yeah, on that pad right there on my desk, I, I had done that. Thank, Thank you, you to our first responders. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's. I think time management is is something because if we're not, the the old adage is what gets scheduled gets done. Mm. 
So if, if there isn't anything that gets scheduled, there isn't a whole lot that gets done. And there can be a day when we go home and we're like, I have no idea what I did today. You know, I, know I've, I felt busy, but I don't know what I did. I don't know what yeah. was resolved, what was accomplished. What, and, I, and I don't know that in your context that can happen very often. Yeah, I don't think a, that that does. I, I was just thinking, I, I would hope not. I mean, I, I like productivity. Productivity is, is mm-hmm, crucial. And mm-hmm. I, I wholeheartedly agree, something that gets scheduled gets done. Yeah. Like you write it down and you put a date to it, put a time to it, yeah. And what gets measured gets managed. Mm-hmm. So if you measure your time, you, then you manage your time. If you're scheduling things and you're doing, then things are getting done. So it just maybe, I don't know, I would be interested if, if in you thinking about what story you you tell yourself that that you're not good. It's like if someone says, I'm not a morning person. Well, you're not a morning person because you tell yourself you're not. No, really, I'm not. Like, I don't like getting up. Well, <laughs> the reality is no one really likes getting up that early, but, uh, you know, we learn to do it. So get up 10 minutes earlier for the next seven days and then get up 10 minutes earlier after that, next seven days after that, 10 minutes earlier the next seven days after that. Now you're 21 days, which is how long it takes to uh, make a habit, and you're up 30 minutes earlier than you were. Now you've got 30 minutes to do whatever you want to with. What are you going to do with it? It's not that you're not a morning person. It's that you haven't told yourself that you can get up whenever you want and have more time in your life. I and mean, we sleep a third of our lives. That's insane. It's kind of sad. That's really then we work crazy. a third and then we have a third to do whatever we, you know, do outside of work uh, on on average. So, you know, get up 30 minutes or an hour earlier and do something that you want to do or that you need to do. Make it um, fun, recreational, restful, peaceful, calm, uh, meditative. Do whatever you need to do that's going to be more advantageous for you than that extra hour of sleep would be. And then you can't say I'm not a morning person because now you are. So maybe you're not a not a time management person. Maybe it's just that you're just not doing it. And I've been telling myself that I'm not. Yeah. Interesting. Well, let's take a quick break and uh, hear a word from our sponsor. Do you know those things in your life that you want to protect, Dr. Carroll? Yeah. You know those people in your life that you want to protect? Absolutely. I mean, home auto life insurance, how crucial is that? We insure our phone. We need to insure the people that we love most in this world. Robert Edge with Kentucky Farm Bureau Insurance. He is an agent and he is big on commitment. He insures the things in my life, most importantly, the people in my life whom I love and whom I want to protect. If you are thinking of home, auto, or life insurance, think no other and no further than Robert Edge with Kentucky Farm Bureau Insurance. He is an agent. He is big on commitment, and you most certainly can reach him by calling 270-929-4215. Robert Edge, thank you so much. So, in addition to limiting beliefs, there's this notion that we need to focus uh, on and strengthen our weaknesses. And I was listening to some uh, some entrepreneurial type folks, the Gary Vaynerchuks and the Joe Rogans and the you know Michael Hyatt's of the world. And uh, more often than not, I'm hearing them say, "Leave your weaknesses alone. Focus on your strengths." What school do you fall into? To work on and strengthen your weaknesses or to let someone else come in and complement that with their gifts and you work on your giftedness? 
play your strengths. I, I heard from a, a, a friend of mine, a pastor of a church, and he said, you know, you don't put somebody in the choir who can't sing. You know, there are people like, I'm a singer. I, I, I think I've had this natural ear for music and tone and things my entire life. I think I also, with my voice lessons, learned better or, or learned, I think that's the right way to say it. I don't think that everyone can learn to sing. I think some people can because there's something in them that allows them to. My point is, is if you can't sing, don't play in the choir. Don't sing in the choir. Do the things that you love. If you play tambourine, well, do that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm big on playing your strengths. Joy loves the tambourine. Tambourines are incredible. And every time we go anywhere where there's dancing and there's a band and there's a tambourine, <laughs> she, she steals it. And she dances around the floor and um, tambos on off of everyone's, you know, bums and Petuskies. legs and shoulders. And this most recent thing that we did where we were together, um, you and Megan and uh, Joy and I, the latter three of us on the dance floor, you off to the side. Looking awesome, though. Judging. I did not. We, uh, Joy made me... Lest thou be judged. <laughs> Joy made me grab the tambourine from the, from the guy who was playing it. On, on the I stage. didn't see you do that. Yeah, yeah we, I did. And uh, I, I, there are pictures. There are photos of me, um, you know, playing the tambourine off of other men's backsides and uh, awesome. giving them high fives and dancing with them. I should be so proud of that. Like it was my job. I should be in your photo album. Like it was my job and like I'd had years of excellent performance reviews for that job. Do you remember the photo albums that they're, you know, the <laughs> you pull the plastic oh, yeah. and then it has the Polaroid covered and it's sticky and mm -hmm. you like go to pull it off. Felty yes. tacky stuff. Yeah. God, and over and the I can years, remember how they slide down. Yes, but I can remember how they smell. Mm. Like when I open that box that mom has and I just go to look through those photos of me in my diaper. I can smell that right now. The, the not my diaper. The, <laughs> the smell uh sense is one of those uh senses that has the most power for numinal activity, numinal meaning um, it can it can bring back memory. And uh, we may have talked about this before, but I, I, I could climb the stairs in my grandparents' house, which is still there, although they are deceased, and my, my aunt uh, owns it now. And you can climb the stairs and go into the front bedroom, which was tiny. It was for their youngest of four children. And, uh, you know, it had this like unbelievable... Um, smell to it, just kind of old farmhouse kind of smell to it. And I remember it as a kid going in there and playing and I'll go somewhere or visit someone or I'll have to go in someone's attic or whatever, you know, back in the day when I was a pastor, I'd visit people and they'd want to take me to see their photo albums and I'd go retrieve them for them out of their attic. And uh, I would smell that smell and my head would just kind of spin a little bit and, I, and it takes me straight back to being a small boy playing by myself in that upstairs bedroom in my grandparents' house. I, like I said before, I can remember my um, preschool, Aesop's Fables preschool in in uh, Virginia growing up where I would sit next to a girl named Stephanie and we had a big rug with a big clock on it, a bunch of different colors, and they would serve us carrots and raisin salad at lunch, which I hate. I think everyone hates that. But when I see that on a buffet or I smell it, Straight back to Aesop's fable. It's amazing. So smell, it's a very powerful sense. Do you know, I'm going to tell myself, Pure One Imports, the store, Pure One, mm -hmm. had this spray. <laughs> it's so stupid. I love Christmas. I always have. I always will. And I bought this spray years ago from them. I, meaning Megan, 
and it smells like a pine Christmas tree. Yeah. So I've honestly, because I love Christmas so much, I love what it does. It makes me feel. I like it's. It's actually in the other room. I'll go and I'll spray it sometimes. And I'll just get a nice waft. Just to of, bring back the Christmas yeah, sensation. Get, yeah, because I love the smell. That's oh, lovely. Yeah. So if uh, what's the strength that you're working on right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, realizing just gen- from a thirty thousand foot view that I'm good enough, valuable enough, mm-hmm. because as a leader in the. Okay, perfect example. Elon Musk, who's over Tesla. I mean, the dude's brilliant and he has thousands of employees and he's done incredible things. Like, my job is just as important as his. Right. And that's what I'm trying to remind myself of. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he has thousands of employees, whereas, you know, we have 42, but the, the importance is still there. And I need to be value, I need to value myself, time, uh, people, resources, all those things and use those to my advantage and, mm-hmm. and just be respectful to myself and my time and mm-hmm. my people. Anyway, that's what I need to do. And I'm, yeah. that's, I don't know if that's even making sense, but I'm trying to remind myself that it's that I'm just as important as Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. I hope that doesn't sound no. prideful. But that's no, the, not at all. It makes perfect truth. sense. What about you? I have to uh, peel off the lid that I self-impose on my capacity to imagine I, for whatever reason, think that there is a a cap to my ability to imagine and create and then implement and um, execute ideas. That I that there are only going to be so many ideas. Like I have ideas after ideas after ideas, and I always think, well, I'm at some point I'm just going to have to stop. And not pursue those, you know, because, and I know it drives people around me crazy because it's not that I'm not satisfied. I'm very satisfied. It's not that I'm not content. I'm very content. We've talked about those differences before in previous episodes. It's just that I, I am still, even in the midst of my satisfaction, I'm still driven. I am completely content to prop my feet up and do nothing and, and think about just being present to where I am, but I'm also equally as content thinking about new ideas and new ways to um, to do what I do, to do it better, more efficiently, and more um, profitably. So I want to be able to peel off that lid that I impose by myself that tells me you have to stop imagining because you can't do all those things or you're not ever going to be able to accomplish that or you're never going to find someone to help you do that because you can't do it all, obviously, by yourself. I've got to peel that lid off. Interesting. It's really fun for me in my world because there I get I have the privilege of being able to supervise um, people who want to become and are becoming therapists. So I get to have these conversations with them. And I, a lot of that supervision happens um, via... Uh, online video portal, like uh, either FaceTime or Skype or Zoom or something like that. So I'm, I'm getting to sit and see these supervisees and have these conversations and listen to them and, and uh, listen to their ideas and help them shape their own approach to this work and to their lives. And then I get to what I call self-supervise, where I later, after that conversation, get to ask myself the same questions I ask those people. Because in my world, you're only able to take someone as far as you yourself have been willing to go. That's what I was going to ask you. I'm sure that not even the people that you're 
uh, training or or courting with in their therapy world, but even the people that you that you assist probably teach you a lot too. Oh yeah, I'm, uh, every everything is education. Yeah, and it's always learning if you're uh, paying attention to it. That's that's cool to think. But I'm with you. Um, play your strengths. There will always be people who can come and help complement your weaknesses and uh, destroy every limiting belief that's out there. Tell yourself a different story and know that you can do virtually anything and don't stop. Yeah. I like that. Don't stop. When we hire people, we say that we, you have no ceiling here. I think we should remind ourselves of that. There is no ceiling for us. I mean, you can literally, uh, I hate when people say, don't bite off more than you can chew. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to bite everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you got too many irons in the fire. No, I don't. I have a ton of irons in the fire. Yes. You but. eat an elephant one bite at a time. No one said how big those bites yeah. have to be. Give me a yeah, break. Exactly. Well, well, it's been good. Thank you, Nathan. Yeah, thank good, you. Good Dr. thinking. Girl. And thank you, Ms. Borges. Boris, I think. Boris. Maybe, oh, maybe I sent that message to the wrong woman. How'd you spell her name? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you coming back time and time again and listening and subscribing and leaving us five stars on your listening app device thingamajig. As you know us, you know that we are always trying to, uh, to be our best, the best version of ourselves. And if we, if we aren't, then we're at least going to die trying. It means the world to us that you join us. Nathan, thank you. Thank you, Doc. Can I, thank you, Dr. Girl. Can I have that? Uh, jacket yeah, shirt sure. thing yeah absolutely I'm Nathan Morris I'm Jonathan Carroll hey I think it might fit you I'll try it on <laughs> <laughs>